1: I'm also found at Kate Campbell, AUS, on Insta.
0: And I'm Owen Rask, AU, on Insta.
1: Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us.
0: And just one final heads up before we get into the show this podcast contains general financial information only. Kate Campbell, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. Good to be back, Owen. It is indeed. We are talking about the 10 biggest, 10 largest, 10 profound companies, if you will, (laughs) on the Australian stock market. So, if you own an ETF that covers the Australian share market, chances are you own this.
1: Yeah. And that's why we wanted to unpack some of these companies today because many of our listeners will have an ETF like VAS, A200, IOZ, STW, one of the large Australian ETFs. So, we'll unpack sort of the 10 largest companies today. Now, this changes on a a daily basis, like position 9 and 10 sort of flip around a little bit depending on the day. But as of the date of recording, we are going to go through the top 10 we've got.
0: Yeah, cool. So, um, inside, say, the ASX 200, if you own an ETF that tracks that, like, say, uh, STW or IOZ, or if you're in the beta shares A200, you will find 200 companies. The biggest one is BHP, which we'll get to in just a minute. If you invest in the VAS ETF from Vanguard, you have 300 companies. And if you invest in the MVW ETF from Vanek, you will have around about 100 or so. So depending on the ETF, depends on how big these things will be inside your portfolio. But we're just going to try and go through some of the names so you know what you own.
1: Yeah. And if you own any of these ETFs, you can look up the holdings yourself by just heading to the provider's website, typing in your ETF name or just finding it under funds or investment options. And then it will tell you portfolio holdings. And they usually separate it into top 10. And then you can usually download a spreadsheet which has all
0: of them. Yeah. So that's a good thing about ETFs. They're fully transparent, meaning every day you can go to the website, see what's inside. Okay. So the first company is a company called BHP. Some people call this business the Big Australian. Why? Because it's the biggest company in Australia by a long way. Um, And not only is it the biggest company, it's also the biggest mining company in Australia. Now, this business uh, went through something. uh, I'll let you go through the history in just a moment Kate. But this business went through something called a reunification. So, unification is basically when a business is broken apart, it comes back into one. Uh, It used to be the case that you could buy shares of BHP on the London Stock Exchange, you could buy shares in New York, or you could buy shares here in Australia. And now they're unified on the Australian stock market. So overall, the shares that are available makes BHP on the Australian Stock Exchange a huge company. And even though it is listed here in Australia, it is a global business. So that's enough about that fun fact. Tell us a little bit about BHP, Kate.
1: Yes. So, it was a merger originally between a company called Broken Hill Proprietary, which started in Broken Hill, and they were mining silver, lead, and zinc, Mm -hmm. and Billiton, which dates back to 1851, where they had a tin mined on a little known island in Indonesia. And so, they came together, two small mining companies at the time, and created BHP. And that company was incorporated in 1885. So, it has been
0: going for a very long time. Yeah. Very, very long time. One of the earliest mining companies. Um, The other name that people tend to bring up when they think of BHP is Rio Tinto. Rio Tinto, which means Red River, I'm not mistaken. Um, Rio Tinto is actually um, more focused on a few commodity groups like iron ore. BHP is too. But uh, BHP is very diversified. So it has a big copper mining business. It's got iron ore. It used to have oil and gas. Uh, assets, particularly in the United States, but it no longer has those. Uh, it sold those off as part of a demerger, where it takes things off its mothership and it gave them to Woodside. Uh, didn't just give them to them, but it sold them. <laughs> Which is another company in our top 10 today. Yeah. So the reason Woodside is in our top 10 is because some of BHP split off and was added to Woodside. And so now people who owned BHP got some cash or some shares in Woodside as well. And so it doesn't really change the ETF at the end of the day. It's just like moving pieces around on the chessboard. Uh, You still got the chessboard, but the reality is now BHP has a little bit smaller because it doesn't have the oil and gas, Um, but but it's a monster of a business.
1: Yeah, and just if you're looking at your top holdings, you'll also see something called the weight, and that is basically if I invest $100 in my A200 ETF whatever the weight percentage is, roughly how much will be allocated to that company. So, for BHP right now, I'm looking at that says 11% weighting. So, mm-hmm. if I invested $100 in A200, roughly $11 would be allocated towards BHP. So, that's
0: quite a lot. Well, if you took a $100 note and you broke it up into 10, you know, $10 notes, at least one of those is just going to BHP and then you've got all the other stuff. So, there's another 199 that are split up on the other $90 or so. Well, 89, Um, and so you can see just how big BHP is within the ETFs itself. Um, BHP at the time of recording has a market capitalization. Here's another fun fact for you. What does that mean? This means the value of all the shares. So of all the shares, if you added up all of the shares, outstanding is what we call it, and the total value of that is $225 billion. Um, So that's the market cap. We call it market cap, market capitalization, however you want to frame that, but it's basically just the value of all the shares. It's got a dividend yield, according to Google Finance, of 5.8%, which is a pretty good dividend yield. Okay, so BHP, massive company. Its headquarters are all of about 20 to 50 metres from us right at this very moment here in <laughs> Melbourne, Kate.
1: 80,000 employees and contractors mm-hmm. around the world. It has offices everywhere.
0: Yeah. it uh, It's an interesting one. We may get the chance to interview the CEO of BHP in a few weeks or months' time, which is extraordinary um, because people like this are very hard to get an interview with. So fingers crossed, Mike Henry, if you're listening, we may be able to have you over in the studio in a few weeks or months to come.
1: Would BHP be one of the biggest companies in the world?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's Not put it in, quite rivaling Apple. No, no, let, let's put it in perspective. So Apple's like trillions of dollars. Yeah. BHP's hundreds of billions. So it's much, much smaller, uh, maybe 10% of size or less. But in the scheme of things, those big technology companies from the United States are so much bigger than even other companies on the United States stock exchange. Mm. So, it's a massive company, like a good example, maybe if we can I can bring this up really quickly, is Disney. Let's see what Disney is. So, Disney has a mar- the Walt Disney Company has a market capitalization of 152 billion US dollars. So, I'm going to put that into Australian dollars and say it's 240 billion. So, there's a bit of change left over here, but it's basically the same size as the Walt Disney Company to put it in perspective. right? And so at the end of the day, this is a massive business we're talking about. You just don't really know it because it's mining company, unless you're in the mining industry in WA or even here in Australia. You don't really see it every day if you're in Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, these types of places. Maybe Adelaide you do it a bit with Olympic Dam, but you just don't see it as much. Yeah, It, it- produces all the commodities that make our society viable, copper, electric cars, cables, that sort of stuff, wind farms, yeah, all these things.
1: It's interesting looking at this list of the top 10 companies. Some of the companies we're dealing with as a retail person on a day-to-day basis, like I could just walk into a Commonwealth Bank branch, but BHP, I'm not dealing with their representatives personally. So mm. it's interesting our connection with these companies is quite different.
0: When we were over in Perth recently, you would notice that all of the big towers in Perth are mining companies. Mm. Like you've got... I think it was a Chevron building there, which is not on the Australian Stock Exchange, BHP, Rio Tinto. I don't know if you notice this on the buildings in Perth, but on the Rio Tinto building in Perth, CBD, huge radio towers and communications towers because a lot of it relies on um, you know, satellites and telecommunication systems to go out across WA and control a lot of their autonomous vehicles. And so um, these businesses, while they might seem boring for people that aren't in the mining industry, they are incredibly advanced businesses, global businesses, and Australia's economy is very dependent on these mining companies. So that's number one, BHP Group. Second from the top is Commonwealth Bank of Australia. Kate, what do you know about it?
1: So they have 8%, so they're $8 roughly allocated to it at the moment. They are one of the largest banks, if not the largest banks in Australia.
0: It is the largest bank, that's correct. What else do we know about So it's probably the biggest in terms of the market cap or the size of all the shares outstanding or the value of those shares outstanding, how do we know it's a big business?
1: Well, it's the second largest company in our ASX 200 ETF. It has millions of Australians as customers using everything from bank accounts to home loans to small business loans, Mm -hmm. maybe credit cards too.
0: Yeah. It does a lot of different things and it's the biggest lender for mortgages in Australia. And, uh, People used to think that Westpac was going to be one of the biggest, but that has definitely fallen by the wayside. So the Commonwealth Bank, we know that BHP is a market capitalization of around about $225 billion. CBA, however, is $165 billion. Now, it's important to remember that the, the, the market capitalization, the way that is calculated, the value of all the shares, outstanding. So one share is $98. So imagine how many shares you have to have to have $165 billion worth of the shares. But obviously, the higher a share price goes, the more valuable the company is. So BHP, even though its share price is $44, you know, the classic rookie mistake, Kate, is that, oh, I'll buy that one. It's Mm. half as much. It doesn't matter. It matters how many are outstanding. So BHP's share price is almost exactly half as much, but it's much more valuable as a company because it's got more shares. So CBA, the biggest bank in Australia, by just about every metric, you would say that another company we'll talk about in a minute, National Australia Bank, is the biggest by business lending. So CBA is the biggest by what we call retail banking, like mortgages, credit cards, these types of things. Um, But for business banking, that is NAB. Mm. We'll we'll cover in just a moment. Do you bank with ComBank?
1: I do. I have a home loan for them.
0: Oh, okay. Originally
1: started with Dolomites back in the day. They're Number one marketing program that they're not allowed to run anymore, but uh, they got me on the platform and uh, still there.
0: Yeah, cool. So what what else do we know about Commonwealth Bank, eh?
1: Well, they serve around 16 million customers, employ around 49,000 people and have more than 800,000 shareholders. And that's probably not including all of the people that own it through their super funds because I'd say this would be in nearly every person's super fund portfolio.
0: Yeah. I'll uh, I'll give you a very fun fact about CBA. When it first got on the stock exchange, we call that an IPO, initial public offering. And when that first came on the stock exchange, I think from memory, I'm just trying to look it up now, it was around about $5.40. Now, if we look at the dividends that CBA pays, uh, I think its dividend is nearly getting close to the total value of the share price back then. So what I mean by that is, imagine that for a second, you own the shares that you were given as part of the IPO maybe you worked at Commonwealth Bank in 1991 or whatever it was right if you still if you put $1000 into that investment at the time you're now getting an investment that's approaching $1000 every year just in dividends so we don't really have a special name for this in finance i'll just call it great um, <laughs> because you're getting a dividend that's equivalent to your original investment imagine that imagine you're sitting here listening to this today and you're thinking you know what, I'm going to go and put a $10,000 in that ETF. Imagine how long it would take you for the dividends from that ETF to equal the total value of the investment. A very long time. But that is the beauty of owning a company like Commonwealth Bank that has gone up over a very long time.
1: And that's one of the features of I think all of these top 10 holdings is they pay quite high dividends every Absolutely. year and they have for a very long time.
0: And all of these 10 are very, very profitable mm. um, and... The only company that probably comes close for people being really familiar uh, with the success of an Australian company, so what I mean by that is like, if you think of the most successful company over the past 50 years in Australia, some people will say Commonwealth Bank, but the other one would be CSL, which is the company we'll cover next. But before we get to CSL, what else do we want to share about CBA?
1: Probably another thing to know about CBA is it owns Comsec, so that's a brokerage platform you may have heard us mention before, and they also have Comsec Pocket, Mm -hmm. and their app is quite innovative. I mean, they are adding lots of new features and benefits and rewards, so... I think when we discussed during our CBA share review, we did an individual episode on CBA. So if you want to know a bit more, we just we talked about just the sheer number of engineers they're employing. Like they're spending a lot of money on technology, cybersecurity, innovation.
0: The two the common theme amongst the two best banks in the country, CBA and Macquarie, is that they have invested extremely heavily in technology, while the other banks who have should have been doing the same, have struggled to keep pace. Uh, so we'll get to Macquarie in a second. But as promised, CSL is number three on the list. Yep. Kate, if I had $100 and I put it in the A200 ETF, how much of that $100 would, in theory, be invested in CSL?
1: Well, today, nearly $6 in CSL. So coming up third on our list, mm-hmm. one of our biggest healthcare companies.
0: One of our biggest healthcare companies. Now, this some um, people call this a biotech company. I would call it a biopharmaceutical company. It's a bit of a different turn of phrase there for some people. Um, biopharmaceuticals meaning that it's in more of the pharma side of the industry. It actually would you, you I know you've done your research for this episode. What was it a where does the name CSL come from? Commonwealth
1: Serum Laboratories. So originally was created by the government and then spun off yes which same with CBA actually
0: yes same with CBA same with a lot of the businesses we're going to talk about today mm. um, CSL actually came into existence in 1928 it was really well known for something that it did which was anti-venom snake bites if you get bitten by a snake obviously Australia has about 20 of the I think Australia has something like 20 of the world's 24 most dangerous snakes, or something. We have some famous claim to having extremely deadly and poisonous snakes, and uh, we have a need for lots of anti-venom. And so CSL was the company originally tasked with creating those, as well as things like the influenza vaccine and these types of things. Um, it created these, and that's part of them, partly where the name comes from is like the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories, and. This has been such an unbelievable investment. So when I talked before about CSL having an, uh, about CBA having an IPO price of around about, what did I say, uh, $5.40, CSL's has been even better. So CSL's share price today is approximately $232. And I'm just going to bring up the IPO price. I did have it just before. I think when you adjust for the company splitting its shares, I think the original share price is 76 cents. <laughs> So it's gone from 76 cents to 232, right? That is an absolutely unbelievable return. And so much so that CSL is one of the best performing companies in the world. In fact, uh, recently our analyst team was looking at the world's best 25 companies, like over 30 years. CSL was the only one of the Australian companies that ranked in the top 25. Really? It's the only one up there with Apple and these types of companies. So, CSL, wonderful business. What else do we have?
1: Well, they have 32,000 employees. They've got a new global headquarters and centre for research and development. They opened in Melbourne this year, so they're sticking around uh, in Mm. town for a while. And they have a few different business lines that focus on different diseases, uh, vaccines, plasma, and Dealing with kidney iron deficiency as well.
0: Yeah, so they've um, they've struggled a bit, a little bit recently. At the time of recording, their share price has fallen quite a little bit recently. Um, to give you a context, it's fallen from around about three hundred and eight dollars recently to its current price of two hundred and thirty-two. So it's a long way to fall, uh, particularly for those that have had the shares from so long ago. Uh, and the reason is um, because they've made acquisitions recently, and people are a bit worried that one of their acquisitions might be impacted by a new drug that's come out in the market for weight loss, and so they think maybe CSL's profits will be impacted by that. I don't think so, but that's what makes a market.
1: They all those scare headlines about a affecting different companies. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So this is one of those that has been caught up in that. Um, So the headquarters of CSL uh, is in Melbourne. If I'm not mistaken, they did have their headquarters opposite Melbourne Zoo, Um, which is quite interesting when you think about that and the the roots of which it traces back to and the original products that it created. Um, But yeah, originally, I I remember when I worked at the zoo, I used to walk past, get off the train and look across and go, huh, there's CSL, could invest in that if I wanted to. Um, That's exactly
1: what you were thinking at 16.
0: That's that's exactly (laughs) what I was thinking about. I was thinking about, there we go, could invest in that if I wanted to. The next company on our list is National Australia Bank, aka NAB. Kate, if I had 100 bucks and I wanted to invest it in, say, the IOZ ETF, roughly speaking, how much would go into this individual company? Uh, Around $4. $4. So, we've had, was it, over $9 going into CBA? Is that correct?
1: Yep. Uh, $8 in CBA. We've got another $4 in
0: NAB. Hmm. So, we've got more in the banks, so there's over $10 in the banks already. Okay, so National Australia Bank, really well known for its business banking. What else do we know about it?
1: Well, it's uh, been around for quite a while. Uh, Originally, 1858, it merged with (laughs) Commercial Banking Company of Sydney in 1981. And it also includes, you might have heard of Eubank, so they acquired that. They also have private wealth management. Uh, One of the interesting things I saw when I was having a look is their involvement with high caps. Uh,
0: really, what's that all about? So they have... I didn't know. This, this is the medical yeah. thing, right?
1: Yeah. The um, When you go into the physio. Huh. And you swipe
0: okay. yeah, and your you healthcare card. And you do all that. Okay. I did not know that. Okay. Mm. Um, not until I read your notes, of course. Um, that's for sure.
1: Probably worth further investigation because I didn't know they were associated.
0: Yeah. No, um. And another thing that people might be familiar with is, and I just confirmed it thanks to the wonderful power of Google... Um. The NAB also took over uh, 86400 four hundred, if I'm not mistaken. The Neobank, which recently yeah. started.
1: Well, they use that to re-jig Eubank.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So these um, these, what a lot of people don't know about these big, big banks is they have multiple banks or like what you think are separate banks underneath them. And they're kind of all a bit different, but they're all connected to the one mothership. Mm. Uh, CBA has its own brand. It used to have, was it Bankwest?
1: Is it still Bankwest?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, NAB has 86400 or Ubank. Uh ANZ has a bunch of different banks, but it also operates in New Zealand. Um, Westpac has Bank of Melbourne and St. George. Yeah. Uh, so this, all of these things are kind of all connected. So just check uh, mm-hmm. to make sure you know what you're doing uh, and who you're banking with. What else do we know about the business?
1: 32,000 employees have more than eight and a half million customers in Australia and overseas, and they also have a brand new headquarters in
0: Bourke Street in Melbourne. Yes. So I've heard the headquarters is quite lovely. Uh, it just so happens that we had a thing called COVID recently, which means that um, maybe, the, maybe the, the headquarters isn't getting as used as they thought they would. Um, but- It's really interesting. Like NAB has long been Australia's business bank of choice. Here at RASC, we use NAB as our business bank, and it is by far, when I dealt with them, it is by far the best for business banking generally, although there are competitors like Judo Bank, who we've interviewed on the business podcast before, um, and other banks emerging. But NAB is the reason why, when you look at your uh, ETF holdings, Kate, the reason why NAB isn't further up the list the reason why ANZ isn't further up the list, and the reason why Westpac isn't further up the list, like CBA is, is because they've all made big mistakes in the past. The one that NAB made that was a massive mistake is they expanded into the UK. So they owned a bank called Clydesdale Bank and Yorkshire Bank. Um, These businesses were totally different, and this was part of the glory days of Australian banks when they tried to expand overseas, while CBA stayed closer to home. NAB went to UK, ANZ went to Asia and kind of, to be honest, came back with their tail between their legs. Um, anyone that's been to Bali recently, like me, know that there's a CBA branch. In uh, there's plenty of CBA branches in Bali. Really? Yeah, huh. but um, and they're quite fancy too, I might add. But um, for the most part, our banks don't do a lot of business overseas these days, with the exception of Macquarie, which we'll get to in a minute.
1: It was interesting. I was reading just the other day. There have been hundreds of branch closures and ATM closures over the past year.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not, not as many people are using cash, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so NAV has a market cap. Remember, this is the value of all the shares or market capitalization of around $89.89 billion. Let's call it $90 billion. Yeah. <laughs> so being the second biggest bank, $89 billion, that compares to CBAs, which you may remember is $165. There's a lot of daylight between those two numbers. And so you can see CBA is streets ahead of the competition. Next up, what do we have, Kate?
1: Next up, we have another bank, ANZ, the Australia and New Zealand Banking Group. So they're one of the big four banks. They do personal loans, home loans, credit cards, savings accounts, all of those kind of things.
0: Yeah. A lot of people don't know, even though it says it in the name, is uh, ANZ is one of the biggest banks in New Zealand. Um, New Zealand also has a few big banks like we do. Um, but ANZ is one of the biggest and it is a really competitive bank in New Zealand, to be honest, in terms of mortgages. Um, some people say it may have lost a little bit of market share recently, but the business has for a long time been very competitive. It should have been, and it should be today, a bigger bank than it is. Mm. But it's made a lot of mistakes in recent years, going into Asia in particular, uh, where it's a very different markets to Australia. It had joint ventures over there. It tried to become what we call a super regional bank, um, which is kind of like, I think it was standard chartered in the UK. So, they saw the same opportunity. They thought, well, we're good at banking. The Asian economies, they they need good banks. We'll go there and help them out. Um, But it didn't really work out.
1: I remember a few years ago, I downloaded the app and tested it out and left a lot to be desired. They may, well, they hopefully have updated it since then. Mm. Um, Let us know if you're an ANZ customer, if the experience is good or still lacking, but they have over 8.5 million retail and business customers. They employ over 28,000 people across the globe and they are also located in Collins Street, Melbourne.
0: Yeah. So a lot of Melbourne going on here. Yes. Um, Yeah. It's a really interesting thing. I don't not personally know a lot of people that bank with ANZ other than for maybe someone that I can't, I'm thinking maybe someone that I know has a mortgage with them.
1: The only person I know was my grandma.
0: Yeah. I don't know a lot of young people that choose to go with ANZ, put it that way. No. More cost conscious
1: Potentially if they had a home int- loan and they had a card linked, but I haven't heard of anyone.
0: Yeah. And I think it shows you some of the disruption that these big banks may face. Not all of them, but some of them may face in the future if they don't really kind of get their act together. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a bank that had super regional prospects and now it's got a super Australia prospect. Um as an investor, it's probably not the top of my list, but let's have a quick look at what its market capitalization may be. Now, Kate, if you're gonna guess, so NAB's market capitalization, right? Is 90. $90 billion. You've got the list of ETF holdings in front of you. How big do you reckon ANZ is in market capitalization?
1: 80 or 75. Let's go. Billion.
0: 75 billion. Congratulations. Okay, ding, ding, ding. There we go. You've got it. And you were probably able to tell that because in your ETF holdings, you'll see it from biggest to smallest. Uh, yeah. And that's because this ETF, like all big ETFs in Australia, are ranked by their market capitalization. So BHP is the biggest market cap, so it's at the top. It gets yep. most of that $100. Mm, we've then,
1: got $3.80 in ANZ
0: for our $100 note. $3.80, right? So you know that it's going to be smaller than NAB because NAB's a higher percentage, right? So that's how you know. But not all ETFs are ranked by the market cap. That's what makes it a little bit confusing. And for good reason, some of them aren't. So the next company that we should talk about is the final of the big four banks. Yep, the final, the fourth pillar. Yes, the fourth pillar of our policy. What is it? We
1: have Westpac Banking Corps. Okay. So they have been around for a while. Originally, the Bank of New South Wales, established in 1817. Hmm. And then in 1982, the Bank of New South Wales merged with Commercial Bank of Australia, taking on the new name of Westpac.
0: Yes, right.
1: First uh, company and oldest bank. They've got over 200 years of continuous service right off their product <laughs> landing page.
0: Um, but, yep, big lender. Yeah, big lender. Um, I was trying to uh, explain what a portmanteau is. A portmanteau is like the combination of two words, Western and Pacific. Westpac is where it comes That's where it gets its name from, Western and Pacific. Uh, it's found on Kent Street in Sydney. Uh Westpac has had some issues in the recent years, and you can look them up online for many different reasons. But one of the things that Westpac probably did that other banks didn't is it had a lot of investor interest only loans. And you might be able to go back a few years and see that interest only loans weren't very politically friendly, and they often result in a lot of investors uh, using these loans to just go and buy a property, basically betting that it goes up in value. Yeah. Uh, because they're not making rental income because they're negatively geared, and uh, Westpac had a lot of exposure to this, where the other banks probably had a more balanced look. Mm. Another problem that Westpac has had is that it hasn't had the technology infrastructure that say CBA has had, and so trying to catch up with CBA resulted in a few issues like around money laundering and these types of things, but Katie, if I had $100 and I invested it in IOZ or why don't we do another one, STW, another ASX 200 ETF, what would I get in Westpac?
1: Very similar to ANZ, we have $3.70 going into Westpac
0: today. $3.70 going into Westpac, so three, nearly three times as much, or more than three times as much, um, going into uh, BHP, or thereabouts we'll say, um, than there is going into Westpac. Okay, let's switch back to a bit of the uh, commodity side, Kate, and as we get smaller, maybe we'll get a little bit quicker. Yes. Woodside Energy Group.
1: All right, oil and gas. Woodside is taking me giving me $3.20.
0: $3.20 of the $100 goes to Woodside. Yeah. People in WA will be very familiar with Woodside, but what does it do? It
1: has been drilling, drilling mm-hmm. and digging and finding things underground.
0: Yes, Oil and gas in particular. Beneath the ocean as well, Kate, if you will. Beneath the ocean. Yes. um, All over the place. They're headquartered in Perth with 4,000 employees. The thing that's really interesting about Woodside and what shot it up the list of biggest companies is it did acquire the assets, the oil and gas assets from BHP. BHP said, we're moving away from these commodity groups and focusing on core minerals, if you like, rather than oil and gas. So
1: many... If you owned BHP by itself before, you may have Woodside shares now in your portfolio as well.
0: Yeah, if you went to sleep five years ago with BHP shares and you woke up today, you would go into your brokerage account and see both Westpac. Oh, sorry, not both Westpac. Both Woodside and BHP Group uh, right there in your brokerage account because they've effectively split off the oil and gas, and given it to Woodside, which has not mean that it would appear in your account. So um I didn't know this, but if this is the fun fact that you put in. It started in 1954 when a small group of explorers began drilling for oil near a Victorian town called Woodside in the Gippsland Basin. I did not even know. This is on my side of Victoria. I did not even know that there was a town called Woodside. Did you?
1: Nope. There's and, a lot of towns in Victoria.
0: There is a lot of towns. <laughs> there are, I should say. And there are You know, I did not know there was. I did not know this was a Victorian company because because I assumed it's headquartered in Perth. It may have started over there, but obviously not. In 1984, Woodside commissioned the Northwest Shelf, Australia's largest ever resources project, and in 1989, exported Australia's first cargo of LNG, liquefied natural gas. Um, So the business is diversified globally, and it has a market cap of. Ding ding ding. Bring it up here. It has a market cap of $69 billion. I now, was
1: gonna say 65. You're so. gonna say
0: 65. Well, <laughs> Close. okay. The next company on our list is Macquarie Group. I'm gonna get you to guess before you explain what Macquarie Group does. Tell me what do you think it'll be in market cap. So Woodside was 69 or about 70. What is Macquarie? 69. 62. Hell. 62. So Macquarie Group, what does it do?
1: It is a large bank.
0: It is a large bank,
1: they're mostly institutional. So you don't see branches on your street corner for mum and dad investors to just pop in and get a home loan very easily. Yeah. But they do a lot of home loans now.
0: Yeah, they're changing. So Macquarie. I was in an uh, Uber the other day, and I said to the guy, he was telling me that he's a um, he was a software engineer, and he just finished uni. I was driving for Uber while I was finishing off uni. And I said to him, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, oh, well, I was thinking maybe I could go and work at something like Salesforce or one of the big technology companies. And I was like, have you thought about Macquarie? And he's like, the university? I said, no, 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 not the university. The silver donut. The silver donut. (laughs) (laughs) The logo looks like a silver donut, which we learned on this very show you and I talked about Macquarie actually gets its logo. Was it a Spanish coin? Yeah, the two coins because Australia ran out of coins, remember? And it didn't have enough coins to go around. So what it did is it cut a smaller coin out of the bigger coin and you had two coins. And so um, they used that as the currency, right? Um, And so Macquarie is an investment bank. So CBA is what we would call a retail bank. You walk into it, it you'd have a, a Zara next to a CBA, for example. They're both retail stores. So you go into the retail bank, right? not the case with Macquarie. Macquarie is the type of business where it helps you invest if you're uh, another company or it helps you do a merger or an acquisition if you're a big Mm. company. But more increasingly, Macquarie is moving away from just doing that to increasingly placing this huge focus on uh, retail banking. So it's one of the most competitive for term deposits, which Mm, we know.
1: It always features on the list. Like you and I can now go, online. We might not be able to go to a branch to do it, but we can go online and open savings accounts, term deposits. They have their own brokerage platform. I wouldn't say it is in my top five
0: (laughs) uh, in terms of user experience, but they do have it. Yep. And they've got some really good technology underneath uh, everything. Here's an interesting fact for anyone that wants to get a bit of a sense of what Macquarie does. Now, Macquarie has Uh, a few ambitious targets, one of the things it wants to do is it wants to be net zero by 2040. But this is the thing, Macquarie, whether it's on behalf of others or for itself, it manages approximately $871 billion of assets globally. So this could be things like wind farms, it could be infrastructure, it could be just about anything, agriculture, real estate, they manage it, and that's a huge portfolio. I think it actually places Macquarie in the top 20 globally the last time I checked. So massive business available for investors on the stock exchange via an ETF or you can go and buy the shares yourself.
1: Yep, over 20,000 employees around the world and headquarters are in Sydney.
0: Yep, so we've got two companies left after we've departed from Macquarie.
1: So we've already passed five banks in the top 10. So a lot of financial exposure in Mm -hmm. your ETF.
0: Yeah, so basically what you end up with is you know, towards 20%, I think, of about 20% invested in banks alone. If you own an ETF, what that means is, like say you own A200, or even we'll say the VAS 300, you would get about $20 of your 100 going just into banking shares. Um, And at the end of the day, that's a lot going into one sector, uh, but they pay dividends, so people love them, and some of them are growing, which is good. So the last two... Are related but not the same,
1: and they both start with W.
0: Both start with W. Uh, Wes
1: Farmers, Kate. Yep, I've got three dollars of my hundred dollars invested in A200 going into Wes Farmers. They started in 1914 as the Western Australia Farmers Cooperative, and now they're one of Australia's largest listed companies.
0: Yes, people get this confused because they think they're from Perth. They think of it. They think it's West Farmers, but it's not West Farmers. It's Wes Farmers, W E S. It's like the old EFT crowd, people who call them EFTs and not ETFs. You're like, no, no, no. It's <laughs> Wes Farmers. Thank you very much. And what is Wes Farmers particularly well known for, Kate?
1: Bunnings. Bunnings. Warehouse.
0: Yeah. lowest <laughs> exactly. prices are just the beginning. So over 500 stores.
1: Yes. So. We know them for their sausage sizzles, but Bunnings is a humongous business and uh, very profitable, I'm sure, for yes. Wes Farmers.
0: Yeah, so I don't have the notes in front of me, so I'm just going to do this ad lib. But I believe that uh, Wes Farmers bought Bunnings, and I could be mistaken. It was either the 80s or early 90s that they bought it. So they, a lot of people – it could be actually be a little bit before that, actually. A lot of people don't know. They think that they started Bunnings, but they did not. They just bought into it. Similarly, they bought into Coles in 2007, uh, and then they exited that not too long ago. And that's why now Coles is a separate company on stock exchange. Mm. And so this is a really diversified business. What yep. else do they own, Kay? Kmart. Mm, people know Kmart. Target. Mm-hmm. We have Officeworks, which
1: is my personal favourite on that list. Yep. Uh, Priceline, they also do other stuff in chemicals, energy, and fertilisers. And yeah. they have a lot of other little investments in other companies as well.
0: Yeah, they've been known to buy mines sell mines and these types of things. But, yeah, their chemicals business is very, very popular, very
1: profitable. So it's interesting because it's quite diversified within the company itself, doing very – from selling – Bades at Bunnings to pajamas at Kmart, like yeah. quite different things.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Weird um, examples, but yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: that's <laughs> no, what weren't. I could think of. Fertilizer. They sell fertilizer and they sell jocks. Yeah, like they, they, sell, <laughs> they sell a bit of everything. Um, and the reality is that is what has made West Farmers a success over so many decades. The interesting thing about um, West Farmers is it's West Farmers and another company on the stock exchange called Washington H.L. Patterson. Pattinson. Uh, which people might've heard me talk about before. Uh, But these two companies are basically what we call a conglomerate. They're a bunch of other businesses tied up in one big business. Very popular in Japan, by the way. (laughs) But West Farmers and all of its conglomerate peers went through a very, very like, I guess, what's the word for a boom time in the 80s and 90s when these things were just prolific. Like conglomerates were all the rage and then heaps of them got washed out because they found out that they were really crap. And they weren't doing and investing in the way that should be. In. They were double, counti- double accounting for mm. like if one business earned cash and they just passed that over to another business and it looked like that business earned cash. And then the whole thing got a bit messy. But West Farmers survived, so did Washington Soul Patterson, 100,000 employees across its businesses.
1: And that's probably the thing to note across all of these large companies is they don't just sell one single product or mm. have one single service. They often, they'll do lots of different offerings within maybe a similar theme but lots of different things so they're diversifying within themselves as well.
0: Yeah, which is unlike say Apple. Apple even though it has different like it's got iPad and iPhone, it's all the same thing like it's all you know technology products. Mm. But they the difference with those massive companies overseas is they've expanded globally. Where a lot of our businesses that we talk about here haven't really done that. BHP, yes, Macquarie to an extent, yes. Would say yes, but not in the same way. Like they're not household names. And that's probably one of the big defining differences between Australian businesses and global businesses. Um, the final company on our list, Kate, also beginning with W. Woolworths. So, ticket code W-O-W. Wow. So, we've
1: got $2.20 wow. of our IOZ ETF going in there. $45 um,
0: billion dollar market cap.
1: Pretty big. We're mm-hmm. still big, but founded in 1924 by Percy Christmas. I wish my last name was Christmas. I love Christmas, <laughs> and the first store opened in Sydney, and now they have over a thousand stores across the country.
0: Yeah, um, West Farmers. Sorry, not West Farmers. Uh, I was going to say Coles and Woolworths. Even though they're great businesses, these guys are um, contribute a lot of greenhouse gases back into the environment. So these both of these companies have huge um, I guess, commitments to going towards net zero and being more carbon friendly. And uh, it's interesting because in the lead up to this just a minute ago, I was searching for all of these companies have some sort of ESG or sustainability report and have um, targets and these types of things that they're moving towards. And it's great to see even the biggest companies in Australia are committing to focusing on things like renewable energy, making their stores more efficient and so on and so forth. So most people know uh, Woolworths. I don't need to Give a full explanation, but what people probably don't know is the relative size of supermarket of its supermarkets in Australia. So I'm just going to bring this up. Um, I did look at it yesterday, but I cannot remember it off the top of my head.
1: And even Woolies is trying to do different things, like they're doing credit cards and insurances and all sorts of stuff.
0: So if I was to get you to guess, to put you on the spot yet again, Kate, I'm going to ask you for a very pointed question, how much market share of supermarkets alone, like groceries in Australia, supermarkets, how much of that is controlled just by Woolworths? Because I'm quite co-
1: biased because I like Woolies, but maybe 60%.
0: We've got Coles, we've got Aldi, we've got IGA, and we've got all those independents. So there's a lot of players at Costco, which I'm going to tonight. Um, <laughs> He's very excited about that. very excited. <laughs> um, are you sure you want to stick with 60%? Yeah, i got to stick with something. Okay. So. Commitment and consistency, <laughs> I like it. So uh, Woolworths, 37%. Right. But if you think about it, it's a huge market share for something that is vitally important to Australians. 37%. Coles, how much do you want to guess? 30%. Less, 28%. Okay. Aldi, 9.5%. Oh, IGA, which is owned by Metcash Cash the Stock Exchange, 6.9%. So in effect... Woolworths is streets ahead of everyone else. So whereas CBA was the biggest by far in banking, Woolworths is the biggest by far in supermarkets. So much bigger than even Coles, who people think that maybe they're the same size. Like It's like if you don't know investing and you walk past CBA in the street and you walk past NAB, you probably think they're the same size because they're both big, right? Mm. It's like the law of large numbers. But the reality is CBA is so much bigger, just like Woolworths is so much bigger. So, coming in at number 10 on the list today, uh, it also owns Countdown in New Zealand and do you know the other one that it owned? Big W. Big W, yeah. Uh, and it used to own uh, things like Dan Murphy's and all these types of things, but they were split off. Uh, and there can now be found under something called Endeavour Group. So you see, some it's a
1: common theme here. Like different companies are buying companies and then demerging and yeah. doing all sorts of things:
0: mergers, demergers, acquisitions. Guess you know, what? Disposals. That's what happens
1: when you've been around for a while.
0: Well, it happens, and you know what they do is they. A lot of these companies, particularly the likes of BHP, having bought Oz Minerals recently, which was another Australian company, what they can do is because of their size, they can get debt or loans a lot cheaper. Than the competitors uh, and they're also making huge profits. So what they can do is they can keep some of those profits and then what happens is when when one of the competitors or a smaller business starts to struggle, the mothership goes, well, we've got cash, we've got loans, we'll just go and buy that while they're struggling, invest in it, prop it up and then sell it again. So they can make money, this is what we call financial engineering, they can make money simply by existing uh, which is a great competitive advantage to have where you've yeah. got the size.
1: And it's just like amazing looking at all these companies. So I'd s- estimate, including casuals and contractors, they employ nearly a million Australians just yeah. across these 10 largest companies. And that's a really good thing to keep in mind. When you are investing in an Australian company ETF, you're investing in companies that are contributing to the economy. They're paying tax. They're employing your friends and family. Like they, They're real things. They're not just numbers on a screen.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And um, the thing is, a lot of people like, you know, bang on about our companies and corporate profits and all this sort of stuff. If you have a super fund, I'll tell you the shocking reality you own all of these 10 companies. Unless you've made a very clear choice that you do not want to own these 10 companies, which is very rare, you own some part of your money is invested in one of these companies that you walk past on the street. And if you own ETFs, you definitely own them. Uh, and if your grandparents have superannuation, they would almost certainly own these companies. And so by being invested, you are owning some of these companies. And that's what we tried to bring out in this episode, right, Kay? Like the, mm. If you own an ETF, some of your $100 that you're investing each and every paycheck is going into one of these companies.
1: Yeah. And how these companies perform determines what kind of dividends or distributions you get this year.
0: Mm. And just to read off the list again, we've got BHP, CBA, CSL, NAB, ANZ, Westpac, Woodside, Macquarie, West Farmers, not West Farmers, and Woolworths. That's the top 10. Now, you could say Telstra will sometimes bounce in and out of the top 10 as well. Telstra being Australia's largest telecommunications company, over 10 million subscribers, I think, from definitely memory. depends what day, uh, the <laughs> what day you're looking at the list. What day you're looking at the list because the ETF provider should update the list every day. In fact, they have to. And the reason why the ETF provider has to update the list every day, okay? is because the company that works on behalf of the ETF providers called a market maker. They need to know what's in the portfolio so they can go and collect them for investors. If they don't know what's inside the portfolio every day, how they're meant to collect the shares for yeah. the ETF providers, and so they have to know published. how
1: much to collect for you. If yeah. they need to know if they're getting eleven dollars a BHP or ten dollars.
0: Exactly. So that's why it's published every day. Not just for transparency; it's also published because the industry needs it to survive. Yeah. So,
1: um, well, so I hope this episode gave everyone a little bit of an insight to what they're investing in when they invest in Australian companies, mm. or they see Australian equities listed as part of their super funds diversified portfolio.
0: Yeah. If you want to know more. If you want us to dive deep into any of these companies, please use the link in your podcast player. If you're listening on Spotify, if you're on Apple, if you're on YouTube, there is a link in the description that says, ask a question. You can use that link to select the Australian Finance Podcast. You can ask a question or you can just leave us feedback on which companies you would like us to cover. If you want us to do more of these, we can do one for the US, Europe, globally, whatever. Yeah. Right into us, let Kate and I know, and we'll get onto it as soon as possible.
1: And I'll also put links in the show notes because we have done individual episodes on Wes Farmers, Woolworths, CBA, CBA, Macquarie maybe? I
0: think we've done Macquarie.
1: It I think about- everyone remember us
0: talking about the silver donut. Um, and Drew came on and talked about Telstra not too long ago. And I, that raised a few eyebrows, but the share price has gone up since that then. That was so part of our...
1: Three, three income stocks in our summer series in January this year.
0: Yeah, I feel like, did he mention fund Maybe he mentioned Borrow or something. Something else that was a bit like, oh, come mm. on, Drew, bring something spicy. But <laughs> obviously, working for retirees, he doesn't do that. So um, that was good fun. But we'll have links to all those things in the show notes. Kate, this was heaps of fun. Thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone.